0: We've been talking about God's will. And for some of us, talking about God's will causes panic. You know who you are. You panicked people. You went to college. You went to a Christian college like Asbury or Wheaton. You met a really cute boy. His name was Jeff. You got into the relationship and you're like, "Uh, I don't think he's the one. I don't know. And you were having that back and forth. You met each other's parents, but then you broke up. And now you've got a BA but no MRS. (gasps) Ah! You're panicked. You missed your chance. Maybe Jeff was the one. Maybe you shouldn't have turned him down. Maybe you shouldn't have walked away. Some of you are panicked because you're like, you bought a house. You bought a house in 2006 or 2007. And then the U.S. and world economy decided to fall off of a cliff. (laughs) And it took your house with it. And you're like, ah! Should have rented another year. I should have never bought that house. Who knew? Other than like Ron Paul. I mean, who knew? Okay. <laughs> He's a nut anyway, right? Okay. So, 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 how do you? I'm kidding. Okay. Um, so there's panic. Panic sets in. I mean, some of you are panicked about all kinds of decisions, and it's easy for it to happen because we have this mistaken tendency to think of God's will as this corn maze. How many of you went to the, you know, uh, Boyd's Orchard night that we had? A few of you went. Okay, last October, there's one way in and one way out. And if you mess up, the children of the corn get you, okay? (laughs) It's not good. And we have this tendency to think that that's how God's plan works for our life. And so we've got to go in the maze and we've got to turn at the right place or children of the corn. I mean, it's bad. And... I think that's a mistaken way of looking at God's will. And so I think we should set that aside. Um, There are all kinds of questions that we have, that we bring to God, that we bring to life. What should I do this summer besides lie by the pool? Should I get a job? Should I not get a job? Should I go to college? What should my major be? Should I get married? I know full well what my mom is like and what my dad is like. Should I really get married? (laughs) <laughs> whom should i marry and if i marry them should i have kids do i even want kids they do this <laughs> and then they want to touch you no thank you okay um and uh, uh if i have kids what should they do what what kind of career should they have should they go to college should they not go to college of course they should go to college they need to go a to good college so they can support me in my old age oh wait that's me, not you. Okay, so uh, should I go to graduate school? Uh, should, is now the time to buy a house? I mean, has the housing market really tanked? I mean, will interest rates go lower? How low can you go? I mean, I think that's Ben Bernanke's favorite song, How Low Can You Go? I mean, is now the time to buy? All these questions that we have, and, and, and we mistakenly believe that God's personal will is so specific, so detailed, that if we make the wrong left turn, We're messed up for the rest of our lives, and I want to suggest to you today that maybe that's a mistaken way of looking at God's will, and I want to make a case for that. There are a couple of things that get us into trouble, I think, when it comes to understanding God's will. The first is we have what I call specificity obsession. No, that's like a doctor word. I was so impressed with myself. Let me say that again. Specificity obsession, or S-O. And no, there are no drugs to treat it. SO works like this. It's the panic of, Jeff was the one I should have married. I should have married Jeff. And because I didn't marry Jeff, it's all messed up. And I'll never have a happy relationship the rest of my life. Uh, I don't think so. Or uh, specificity obsession is, I didn't do the internship in New York. I should have done the internship in New York. If I'd done the internship in New York, I would have gotten the job at LEX. And then it would have gone to NBC Corporate. And I would have been back in New York. And I could have done blah, blah, blah. But I didn't. Okay, specificity, obsession. Remember, the primary metaphor for God in the Bible is that he's our heavenly father. And he looks at you and he looks at me as children. Now that I'm a dad, I get this. Do I care about what what my kids do specifically? Of course I do. Do I care whether or not they go to college? Do I have opinions about things? Of course I do. But on the whole, I care far more about who they are than what they do or where they live. And in the same way, the the consistent thing that we get through the Bible is that God cares far more about who we are and who we become than he does whether or not we live in Cleveland, Las Vegas, or Lexington. All right? So that's the first mistake, specificity obsession. The second mistake is expectations. We expect so much out of God these days and so much out of life. And I think sometimes our expectations are off the chart of what life is supposed to give us. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But nowhere in this book are we commanded to ask God to reveal the future to us. Nowhere in this book are we told to seek him for his entire plan mapped out in all its glorious detail. We're never commanded to do that. But we are commanded to seek him and seek out wisdom. And that's where I want to walk today, right? And so in a bottom line nutshell... What am I asking today? I'm, I'm asking you to be willing to set aside specifics and seek God and wisdom and just live your life in light of what we've been talking about, okay? So Proverbs chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, Proverbs is basically a long series of pithy sayings about how to live life. How should you live life? How is life best lived? Well, here's how it's lived. Um, Proverbs talks about all kinds of practical things. It talks about work. It talks about laziness. It talks about marriage. It talks about child rearing. It talks about good manners. It talks about how to get along and play well with others. I mean, it talks about all kinds of practical things in life. Um, It's my favorite book to recommend to anyone between the ages of, say, 12 and 16, If you're in that category, this is the book to read. I mean, it's really how to live life well, how to succeed in life. Um, And so it's more or less an instruction book along those lines. And the guy writing it is writing it from a father's perspective to his sons. And in the beginning chapters, you've got that, that cry of every father who has a teenage son. Oh, son of my youth, listen to me, incline your ear to me. You know, if you would just listen to what I'm trying to tell you, it all would go well. Um, many a father of a teenage son has, you know, sung or had that, that saying come out of his lips, all right? So let's look at this. Proverbs chapter 2, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 6. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God, for the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. In these six verses are a series of conditional clauses. For for those of you that are old enough to have studied grammar, that's what these are. It's the if-then... All right, So let's, let's parse out some of the ifs, all right? Verse 2, if you tune your ears to wisdom, if you seek wisdom, all Right, If, verse 3, if you cry out for insight, verse 4, if you look for them, search for them as you would for silver. In other words, if you go about this aggressively and intentionally because you want it badly, Right, So if, 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 if. All right, if you seek wisdom, if you cry out for insight, if you look for them as you would silver, then verse five, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you'll gain knowledge of God. That could be helpful. And then go down to verse nine, there's the other then. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. Doesn't that sound appealing? The right way to go. I mean, always everybody's telling you, you should go here, you should go there, you should turn left, you should turn right. And God's saying through this passage of Proverbs, if you seek me, if you cry out for insight, if you seek wisdom, just like you would something very valuable, not only will you just find me, but you'll find the right path. You'll find the right way to go. That's kind of not bad. That's not bad in a nutshell, all right? And wisdom, when you have wisdom, here's some things you get, verses 5 and 6. You get understanding of what it means to fear the Lord from uh, the Lord grants wisdom. So you get wisdom when you seek this out. And then verse eight, he guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. You get a measure of protection. Well, that's not bad either. I mean, how many of you would like to be protected every now and then? That's kind of cool. All right, sign me up. Verse nine, then you're understanding what is right and fair and you will find the right way to go. Those are some things you get. Here's some things wisdom keeps you from. So you get positive benefits for seeking out wisdom, and then you get get spared some things that are bad. Think like IRS audit where the guy's doing the thing and the glasses are all the way down. Okay, all right? Uh, Here's some things that God spares you from. Verse 12, uh, wisdom saves you from evil people. I wouldn't mind getting saved from evil people every now and then, all right? Uh, Verse 13, These men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. Wisdom spares you from some dark paths in life. Uh, Verse 16, wisdom will save you from the immoral woman, from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. All right, so there's some things that wisdom spares you from. Uh, How do you get wisdom? It's spelled out in this passage by treasuring God's commands. Verse 1, because he says this listen to what I say, treasure my commands. Verse 2, by focusing, seeking out wisdom, tuning it in in your life, verse 3, for calling out for insight. So seeking this, seeking it out, you get it, all right? To, to kind of put this into context, let me remind you of where we've been. And here's the path of wisdom. The last three weeks have actually been intentional. <gasps> they plan sermon series here, okay? So if you're wanting to walk out wisdom when it comes to making decisions in your life, The starting point is scripture. What does God have to say when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to my relationship with my children, when it comes to what I do at my job and how I perform, when it comes to how I treat people at a basic fundamental level? Does God have anything to say? Boom, there's the starting point. Then another avenue, another path of wisdom. What is the leading and guiding of God's spirit in my life? Is you know, am I what am I hearing his voice? Am I have I learned to listen and tune that in in my life? Then mm-hmm. la- then last week, as we talked about last week, as I'm making a decision, do I bring wise people in, people who are familiar with God's ways, people who have my best interest at heart, and I'm laying this decision walk fleshing this decision out with them. Remember last week we talked about the fact and young people hate this. If you're young and you're living at home your parents are a source of wisdom. No! Yes, it's true. Because nine times out of ten, your parents actually want what's best for you. And when you bring that boy home or that girl home and they don't like that person and that not likeness doesn't ever change, there's a sign. It's a giant caution flag that says slow down. Um, We talked about the fact that if you're in a community group, and you're in the middle of a crisis and you've got things going on. Crisis creates fog. And those people who, who love you and have your best interests at heart are a good place to process. Well, should I file the papers? What should I do? How should I walk this out? Are there some boundaries that I should set? If so, what, what should those boundaries be? Again, okay, so here's, here's, the big, here's the big path, all right? So here's the question that I want to ask in light of this passage from Proverbs, in light of the fact that God wants us to seek him and seek wisdom, Here's a question to ask yourself. In light of the stupid things I've done in the past, in light of my accomplishments, in light of where I want to be someday, and most of all, in light of my heavenly Father's desire for me to become the man or the woman who loves people like Jesus did and lives like Jesus did, what's the wise thing to do? Sometimes that just brings to clarity what you should do in a situation. I should totally walk away from that job because Bob has already told me that the way they run the sales department is they fudge, they lie to clients. And you know what? I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to walk away. Boom. Wise decision. Um, Maybe it comes in the form of a business relationship that you're starting up. You bring your wife to meet the person or your husband to meet the person, and you're driving away, and your spouse says to you, I don't like them. I got a feeling, ding, caution flag. Okay, remember that from last week, all right? So in light of the stupid things I've done in, the past, in my past, in light of my accomplishments, in light of where I want to be someday, in light of what God wants for me to the person that he wants me to come become, what's the wise thing to do? Now, I want to give some practical advice for those of you that have been Christians forever and a day. There's a category of us Christians who've been for, uh, Christians forever in a day, and I think we're simply not living life. Uh, there's a slice of us, and we're waiting for some big heavenly sign to drop down, preferably with Gabriel appearing. <laughs> I want you to go to Cleveland and start a church. <laughs> you know, or you know, <laughs> buy the house. I will provide the loan. <laughs> okay, whatever it is. Okay, and we're, so we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting for this big sign. And, and we're not living life. And we simply could be making some wise decisions along the way. And and so uh, my challenge to you is if you find yourself, you've been waiting, maybe you've been waiting for the perfect person, the perfect job, the perfect house, the perfect this, the perfect that, just live your life. Buy the house, take the job, marry them. And, and a lot of times you're like, well, wait, what if it's the wrong person? What, what I found in marriage land is that once you get married, it's just the hard work of loving them, right? I mean, once, once you sign on the dotted line, once you walk down the aisle, you're married. And the funny thing is, a lot of what God has to say about decisions and his will and whatnot has to do with where we find ourselves in life. Uh, when you read Paul's letters, and he has these um, uh, instructions that he'll give to households, it really, one way to paraphrase it would be to paraphrase it this way. Oh, so you find yourself married? You got a wife? You know, you should probably love her. I'm thinking you should love her the way Jesus loved the church. Got that picture in your mind? He died. <laughs> he set aside his own agenda, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? Um, oh, you're a slave. Here's how you walk it out. Or uh, your kids, you know, you should probably listen to your parents. Obeying them right. Pleases God. Boom, it's where you find yourself in life. And he, he, he gives these injunctions, he gives these instructions for where you find yourself. All right, so there's a small slice of you and maybe that applies to you, okay? Now I wanna to talk to another group of people. And, and, and if you've been in the category where, well, yeah, I'm doing fine. I actually, have been ma- I make my own decisions. I do this all the time. I've lived my life this way. Would you consider seeking God and seeking wisdom? Rather than just blow through life doing what you want to do, would you actually seek out the person who made you? Because here's what I know about you. God made you for a reason. He did. You're not here by accident. God made you and has actually a larger purpose in mind for you. Would you be willing to talk to your heavenly father and seek him out to flesh out that purpose? Um... And so those are a couple of practical things for a couple of different groups. Um, To kind of wrap this up, I want to talk about expectations for a moment, if I could. Since the 1960s in America, we have gotten to a point where I think we Americans, we expect so much out of life. And part of that is because just the tremendous prosperity that came along with the baby boomer generation. I mean, we all came back from World War II, and we built houses and got jobs and got bigger houses and better jobs. And the stuff that we had invested in the stock market just, you know, quadrupled. I mean, it was good times. And, and we've gotten to a point where we expect, like, to find this one person who's going to make us more happy than anything on earth that we're going to live in this home that, that's just like right out of the pages of Southern Living <laughs> or Architectural Digest, fine, or, or, or I don't know, Family Fun Magazine. You know, we have these ideas of, what, you know, these pictures in our head of, of all these expectations that we have out of life. And I'm not sure that our expectation, our high expectations of life are warranted, given how life has been lived throughout most of human history. And I think of my grandparents, uh, uh, Grandma Vi and, and Grandpa Vanderpoel, Grandma and Grandpa Vanderpoel. That's all. I just knew them as Grandma and Grandpa my whole life. My grandmother was one of five children, and she was probably born around 1913, 1915. She was old enough that she was a, you know, real-world adult through the Great Depression. And she, you know, got a factory job. She was lucky to have a factory job. She was so thankful. I remember stories i had a job mark you know it was not good stuff during that time but boy i you know i got that job and i worked and i didn't even think about quitting because you know that i needed that money well she married my grandfather they they went on a few dates they got married when i asked her about you know well was he the one you know did it you know in her mind she didn't obsess about that kind of stuff she met him she liked him she married him boom there (laughs) there it it was pretty simple and then shortly after that, they had kids. Kind of happens, you know. And, and Grandpa opened a store, a grocery store. He was a small-town grocer. She worked in the store. Later in life, in her late 50s, she developed rheumatoid arthritis. It was crippling. I mean, it really deformed her hands. Um, and for a large part of my childhood, I remember her being either in a wheelchair or a walker. And um, Grandpa Vanderpool did these odd things. Now, if the funny thing that I find is if my grandparents were alive and significantly younger in my church and telling me these things, I'd, I'd refer them to a counselor. Uh, so let me explain. Uh, one day, uh, this is after they retired, after he sold the store. Uh, remember, she's got rheumatoid arthritis really bad, crippled. I mean, her fingers are all crumpled up and a lot of pain all the time. Uh, he shows up at the house, pulls up with a Class A motorhome. Went out, paid cash for it, drove up. I've got, we're going to see. We're going to travel, Vi. We're going to see. that This is going to be great. Mother, you're going to love it. Da, 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 da. She gets out. She couldn't get in the motorhome. He gets in the motorhome, takes it back, <laughs> gets his money back. A couple of years later, he buys her a 1978 uh, Monte Carlo, which I guess today is like a collector's car. Uh, she gets in and he in a cherry red cuz that was her favorite color was red and she you know she would talk about the fact yeah he went out and bought that car red cuz it's my favorite color even the inside was red she couldn't she couldn't turn the ignition so at first we got these they would weld these uh uh long sticks to the key uh but eventually we put in a little push start thing so she get in the car and go okay uh, the 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 tip of the iceberg for me that I that I go what he did what one uh, they lived in Jonesboro Indiana Jonesboro's here there's a little itty bitty river called the Mississippi River and Gas City's right next to it they are called the Twin Cities right Jonesboro's maybe a thousand people Gas City at the time was maybe four thousand people so not big stuff by any stretch so. Jonesboro is where they raised their kids, where he had the grocery store, the whole kit and caboodle. Again, they're retired. He says to her, I have some errands in Gas City. I've got some errands in town. I'll be back. This is Sunday afternoon. A couple hours later, the phone rings, and it's my grandfather. And he says to her, so you, you want to come and look at the new house? Some of you look, or look like, what? Yeah, I know. That's what I thought. See, they should have seen a therapist. Their marriage was in crisis, and they didn't even know it. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. When I would hear my grandmother talk about her life, she, the way she saw her life is that, on the whole, she had a good life. On the whole, she felt like she was blessed. What? For most of the time that I knew her, she was living off the interest of $30,000 in Social Security. And this woman thought that she had a blessed life and a relatively good life. And she was racked with rheumatoid arthritis. The funny thing is, my grandmother's not unique among what Tom Brokaw calls the greatest generation. Any of them of that time in American history, they all, a lot of them seem to have that attitude. And do you know why I think that is? They didn't expect much from life. They assumed life's going to be hard, going to have to work, Some bad things might come along the way, but at the end of the day, if I have something, God put that in my hands, and I'm pretty blessed to have it. I think we would do well to adjust our expectations. Am I saying to you that, well, your life's just going to be miserable, and you'll never get... No. That's silly talk. Uh, But I do think you and I would do well to mitigate some of the expectations we have when it comes to God's will for our life um and remember god is your heavenly father and he's a good father and good fathers want good things for their children they do god's not a bad dad and he's not malicious he actually does want good things for you so tuck that in your cap as as kind of an inbook book for what we're talking about now i understand that i've said some things over the last four weeks in terms of god's will that might be new to some of you that some of you might go, wait just a minute there, Pastor. Well, next week is just for you. Next week, we have a Q&A forum. So you can send me questions this week via email or Facebook. You can show up, and we'll put a microphone right here. And you... Now, what about this? Or how do you, you know, do, do, do. And we'll have several people up here to, to have a conversation, a family conversation, about what does it mean to walk in God's will, right? So... Uh, again, to kind of encapsulate today, for some of you that have been following Jesus a long time, it might be good to quit waiting around and just live your life and make wise decisions in light of what we've talked about over the past few weeks. For some of you, now might be a good time for you to actually go, you know what? God, I'm going to seek you out and I'm going to seek wisdom and I want to know what you have to say when it comes to my life. I'm going to quit living my life just for me and all by myself, all right?